Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about spray coverage. We're also going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag. And we'll take your phone calls as well. If you'd like to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on X, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. Over the next three days, we're going to be hosting the Neil Kinsey Seminar on our farm. If you would like to join us, you can just go to agphd.com to learn more about that. There's a live stream option as well. If you're not familiar with Neil Kinsey, he's one of the world's leading soil agronomist. He's tremendous. Darren and I have learned a ton from him over the years. It's pretty awesome. Uh, actually, tomorrow's going to be his 80th birthday. And you might say, oh, man, um, I'm, I'm going to listen to soils from a guy with that many years of experience. Isn't it going to be a little dull, Brian? Well, look, Neil's, number one, super passionate about soils. And he has so much experience. He'll tell you, well, yep, here's here's what we did in this situation. And here's how it turned out over 10 or 20 or 30 years and things like that. So it's just awesome. And again, like for Darren and me, we've learned so much from him over the years. If you haven't read his book, Hands-On Agronomy, I'd highly encourage you to do that. But who knows how many more chances we'll have to hear from Neil and, and I mean, right on our farm. He's so kind of, He's kind of like a farmer, Brian. I don't know if Neil's ever going to retire. <laughs> True. He just enjoys talking True, about but, soils True, and, but, and helping people out. But is he willing to come up to this region of the country at the some winter. point in the future? Right. I don't know. So anyway, it, it's just, it's a great opportunity for you to learn more about soils. And I know three days talking soils seems like a lot. It is. But just think about all the resources, all the assets you have on your farm, there is nothing that's more valuable than your soil. And if you can know even just a little bit more about it, just think of how much more productive your farm could be, how much more money you have the potential to make over the next however long you have left in your farming career, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. This is really important stuff. And I want to take this one step further. When you were growing up on the farm, what did you learn from your parents and your grandparents? Chances are it wasn't how to read a soil test. It wasn't about calcium and magnesium and phosphorus and just soil fertility in general, how all these nutrients interact with each other. But as, as yields go higher and as time goes on and the value of our soil just continues to go up, farmland prices keep going up, what's more valuable, what's more important to talk about than soil fertility and what do you want to leave the next generation or the generation after that shouldn't we help those people out more and give them more information on their most valuable asset i think we should i really do and it all starts with you the more you can know the more you can pass on all right let's get to the ag phd mailbag Bag. All right, Brian, get this one in from Russ out in West Virginia. He said, guys, I'm sending you my 2024 spray program for corn and soybeans. And the worst weeds that we deal with are mare's tail and burr cucumber. And I've got my corn 
program broken out into tilled acres and no-tilled acres, and I've got my soybean program separately Whoa. to pre and post. Here, here. You're going to need to just talk about it. Okay, yeah, I'll talk it's one thing. So Darren gonna... normally hands me a soil test. Okay, fine. But okay. he's handing me this program with like 40 things there. Yeah, there's on a lot it. of things. Russ, I don't have enough of... time to, to read through you all that. you got a lot but... of things. Plus, it's a lot of generic names, so I can tell you what the actives are here. So uh, with his Let's just go through it where he's doing some tillage in his corn, the pre. First of all, does it have to be different in the no-till versus the tilled other than adding Roundup yes. in and the no-till? Yes, it has to be different because what did he say? What was the first weed he mentioned? Mare's tail. Mare's tail. Killed with tillage. So, okay. I, I mean, now, granted, you might not kill it with tillage if your tillage isn't aggressive enough. But in my book, if I'm tilling, I don't have mare's tail. So, yes, it's a completely different program. So if I have mare's tail, then I'm thinking about my spring burndown. In front of corn, I want dicamba. In front of soybeans, it all depends on the trait. If I have dicamba-tolerant beans, I want dicamba again. Otherwise, if I have 2,4-D-tolerant beans, I want 2,4-D. Okay. Go ahead. So here's my challenge here on the no-till. He's got 10 ounces of dicamba and a quart of Roundup as the burndown. Okay, Is and he that... needs to up that to 16 ounces of, of dicamba. And when we say dicamba, we can't say dicamba. Let's be specific. Banville or Clarity. 16 ounces of Banville or Clarity? Sure. Okay. And the other thing that he has, and there's a little bit of HPPD. Wait, and that's in front of corn, corn right? Yep. Okay. And he's got a little bit of HPPD in there. Is that enough Why? to be able to cut the dicamba back? It's in a pre, no. it's in a combo pre. No. HPPD is not that great on mare's tail. So yeah, you need I, the full rate of the Banville. Well, and here's the other thing, Russ. In his corn post program, he has another HPPD. Right. He's got Halex no GT, way. which is Roundup, nope. Dual, and Callisto. I would take that HPPD out. I would personally just run with yep. a strong rate of a group 15 as your pre on the no-till. Add in the pint of dicamba yep, and, the, the pint and the quart of Roundup like you're doing. Yep. On the on the tilled ground, he just has that... Uh, Again, that HPPD group 15 combo pre, which take that out, just right. go straight group 15 full yep. rate, yep. Uh, and and you'll be happy. We just don't want you using HPPD twice per season. Number one, you got to worry about weed resistance. More importantly, you have to worry about carryover. Okay, on the soybean pre, he's got basically Spartan plus, uh, that's it, just Spartan. Okay. Add a yellow, and if you can add metribuzin, great. I don't know with his soils if they're sandy. If they're sandy, you can't have the metribuzin. Post-emerge, he's got uh, dicamba plus clethodim. Uh, okay. On corn, he's Fine. got uh, post-emerge, yeah, like I said, the yeah, Roundup Dual Callisto. Right. Uh, the, the other thing, I guess, uh, a tassel time, he's got, uh, here's what I'm going to do, a fungicide timing in beans and a tassel time on corn. He's got a bunch of different things in there with uh, fulvic acid and, and some PGRs and so forth. That's awesome. I don't know if you've tried those things before, Russ, but what I'd say is just make sure you know what the return on investment is. So do some check strips out there on those uh, in-season yep. treatments, yes. and you should be just fine. Yep. Hey, thanks a lot. Really appreciate you sending that in, Russ. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. 
they'll hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. This is Officer Jones calling for backup. 10-4, location? Graber back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer Amaranth, Kosha, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending tough 5UC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgian crop protection. Maverick corn herbicide from Valent USA has proven to be a key part of growers' success in fighting problematic weeds. But don't take it from us. Take it from agronomy manager, Nate Honek. We've seen tremendous weed control that was sprayed in dry, hot conditions with uh, very little rain within two weeks after application. Very easy application. Definitely tank mix well with the various products we used. Visit valent.com backslash maverick to learn more about Maverick Corn Herbicide. Always read and follow label instructions. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio, talking about spray coverage today. And so many times, Brian and I will be talking about whether it's a fungicide or an insecticide or herbicide or, or a foliar feeding, all these things. Hey, it'll work better if you get amazing spray coverage. And that's part of the problem that we're having with what we think is tolerance of certain weeds or tolerance of certain diseases. A lot of times, we just didn't get great spray coverage. So we're going to talk about that and how important it is today and a, a few steps along the way of things you could do to improve your spray coverage on your farm this year. Uh, also, our phone lines are going to be open 844-44-AG-PHD throughout the show today. And you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Start out in North Carolina. We've got Kevin Matthews. He farms there with his family and also works with the Extreme Ag Group. How you doing, Kevin? Doing fine, sir. I hope you guys are. Yeah, yeah, we're doing well. We're having a pretty easy and mild winter up here, which gets us all excited about field operations. And in fact, Brian today was like, man, it's thawing out. We're going to be 40s and low 50s here this week. We could even get some fertilizer spread out there. It's That's kind of crazy for us in February. Well, is that a good sign or a bad? I don't know. I'm going to take it as good, Kevin. Everybody's nervous that means more drought. But uh, I'll say this, though. It could mean the weeds are going to start coming a little bit earlier, and that does get to be a challenge in the spring. It takes, in our experience, generally a little higher rate in the spring because it's cooler, but it also takes great spray coverage. Uh, I'm sure you face those challenges, too, of, of getting just tremendous coverage. Are there a couple extra things you do? Is it equipment? Is it just being fussy? Is it more gallons of water? What what makes a difference for your farm? Well, we run, uh, we're really anal about our tips, and this time of year we'll be going into spring with ultra-low drift nozzles from uh, pin airs, the ones that we actually prefer. There's a lot of good tips out there, but that's the one we prefer, and um we do like uh, more coverage. We used to be 10-gallon guys, and it seemed like we was getting some escapes, even though we had really good coverage, but it just like we wasn't getting enough. So we, we went to 15 gallons, and in some cases 12. <coughs> but um, 
See, we got another battle is we're wanting as much cover from our cover crops as we can get. So we don't want to spray them too early. And, but, you know, what happens when you wait, the, the weeds and the grass gets bigger and it takes more to kill it. And some of this ryegrass stuff can really be a beast to try to kill, especially if you get a cold spell in uh, April, you know, March and April when you're trying to spray. So it's, it's a challenge, a, a really good spreader, uh, penetrant, you know, surfactant, a uh, higher quality. We used to not focus on that, and now we do. We, we want something that's really going to make all those chemicals get down and get as many parts from me and on those plants as possible. What, what determines your timing on spraying out that cover? Is it the calendar or is it a certain height? We've seen studies showing uh, getting prees down to the ground. If the cover's 18 inches or less, it's still pretty effective. Otherwise, they recommend burning down first before putting on the pre. But the challenge, if you have one of these springs like this where you get pretty good growth in the spring, that, that date might move way up on your calendar more than normal. <laughs> yeah, we, we do like the two-step process. We like to put the burn down out, get it burned down, get it closer to the ground, and then put our pre in as close to planting as can be because, you know, 21 days later, we're going to need to be back in down here, and that's just a general rule of thumb. Excuse me. <coughs> but uh, with that being said, you you got to catch those, those spring emerging weeds as early and young as possible. It's a fine line. We want as much cover as we can get from our cover costs, but yet we've still got to get them killed down before we go into planting. Yeah, yeah it's, that it's is not a big easy deal. call. No, no, you're right. And we just, uh, just the last question that we took here before the break was comparing the no-till part of the farm and what the program is going to be versus the conventional till program. And yeah, you're right. It's two different things. And then you throw a cover in there versus just going no-till. That adds yet another step. So thanks for making it even more complicated today for us, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> no, great tips, though. Great tips. We really appreciate that. And, and good luck to you guys as you head into this spring. All righty, boys. Thank you. Y'all be safe. You bet. You too. Let's head over to Minnesota. Got Mark Burns with us right now with Case IH. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Uh, I, I think we, we turned out good here having Kevin on first because he brought up yet another challenge this spring. A lot of growers either have adopted cover crops or are trying them out. Uh, that does create some more challenges when you got a lot of growth out there already as, as you're trying to get good spray coverage. Yeah, that's right. You know, there's uh, you know an awful lot of things we, we can control, but some things that we can't, and that's where, you know, do, doing what we can from an equipment side to, to help with that is what we're all about. All right, so there's there's a lot of things that, that can be done. I mean, we're always looking at return on investment with everything we're doing, but it comes down to little details like this, like getting great spray coverage. So uh, from a spraying standpoint here, what, what can growers do to improve their coverage this year? Well, I think it, it really kind of starts about this time of year, you know, especially those with the heated shops. And, you know, we've had a pretty nice spring thus far. So even if you don't have a heated shop working outside, it's not the end of the world. But as we get that equipment out of the shed, getting it ready for the for the season is, you know, something as simple as calibrations, putting on the right amount that we think we're putting on, um, you know, even from a guidance perspective, making sure that we're traveling the line we think we should from a precision and accuracy standpoint, 
And then once you actually get into the, the application of product, using the technology to, to, uh, to help with that endeavor, you know, whether it's maintaining a boom height so that we get proper overlap, um, using the right types and, and size of spray tips. You know, last caller was talking about up and gallonages and making sure that we've got the right tip to, to make sure that uh, we're getting the coverage we need, especially as those gallons go up. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of little details there, and and getting that sprayer ready now is important. You know, we we try and get out there early. Like for us, early in our area is March. If we can get out in March and get any of these pre's applied, we like to do it. But we see other folks that say, "Man, I haven't got the sprayer out yet, and haven't haven't got everything <laughs> calibrated." I I hear you, Mark. I, I mean, many of these guys do have heated shops, especially as we go north. That sprayer might need to be the first piece of equipment that gets worked on because hopefully we'll get the pre's out before we even plant. Right. You know, and that's where something is as simple, you know, and like I said, if you get the heated shop, you've got the cat's meow here where you can put some water in the tank, get things pressurized up, making sure that, one, we don't have any broken parts or some leaks and whatnot so that when it comes time to pull the trigger, we're not out there wrenching. Hey, talk to us about your new sprayers. I know you've got the the Patriot 50 series and more. What what are some of the things that are a little bit different that, that maybe could help growers out even better on the spray coverage? Well, you know, we, especially with the time with the launch of the Patriot 50 series, as we introduced the next gen of our spray technology, which would be the AIM Command Flex 2. And that really gives us, you know, kind of that next level of, spray quality and accuracy, being able to, you know, put on the right rate at the right or at a constant pressure, which gives us a consistent droplet size. But what, you know, some folks may not know is with this next level of technology is we have the ability to adjust the pulsing duty cycle uh, or the pulse frequency of those individual nozzle control valves. Um, we were t- a 10 hertz or 10 times a second pulse basically since 1998 when we first got involved with that technology. But like everything else, things advance with time. And through some university studies found out that, you know what, if we pulse at 20 times a second, we actually even get better coverage than we were getting with 10. Um, but knowing that folks were killing weeds and treating pests at 10 hertz, is we now have the ability between 10, 15, or 20 hertz, let the, uh, let the sprayer operator choose. That is awesome. Yeah, I love that you've got 135-foot boom options, which means less passes through each field. I, I think that's fantastic. The row guidance, there's just there's a ton of things. I, I know every year growers will ask, man, is this year I upgrade sprayers? You certainly want to take a look at some of the new features out there that make it that much easier for you to operate and to do a great job. I'm talking with Mark Burns here with Case IH, and of course you can always find more details at caseih.com as well. Mark, thank you so so much. Appreciate having you on. All right. Appreciate the opportunity. Have a good afternoon. You bet. You too. We'll talk more about spray coverage coming up right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. If you look close enough, you can see the hidden potential within your fields. That's why an agro-liquid nutrition plan starts with the crop and identifies the precise combination of primary nutrients while focusing on the support of secondary and micronutrients. So every nutrient is working in harmony for your crop to reach its full potential, maximizing growth while offering lower use rates. Apply less, expect more, precisely. Find an agro-liquid dealer at agroliquid.com. 
Can you predict the future? I can't. That's why when I'm planting soybeans, I treat with Heads Up Seed Treatment. With more than 15 years of research, Heads Up offers proven protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome. So no matter what the year throws at you, you've already taken that first step to be prepared. Don't let your beans suffer from disease when they're just starting to look their best. Tell your seed dealer you need Heads Up Seed Treatment. Learn more at headsupst.com. Every season, you're collecting yield data on virtually every acre of your farm. But what good is your data if you never use it? Put it to work with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on crop removal, ensuring your crops get what they need right where they need it, no matter what equipment you run. Go to Verify.com to find an expert to help you get started. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about something that could, all those hours you're spending this spray each summer, we're talking about something that could make your time worth that much more. You know, you think about it, you spray a field and yep, it took time to spray the field. But if you have to go back and spray again because you didn't get great coverage and your product didn't quite work, it's not nearly as much fun the second time going back out there. And it just seems like, oh, we never have time to do that. And and then things just aren't right. And, and there's just so many problems. So we want you to get everything done right the first time if we can. That's why we're talking about spray coverage right now. Of course, if you have any questions or if you'd like to add to the discussion, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Got Stephen Pranky with us right now with CNB uh, to talk a little bit about that uh, in conjunction with the John Deere sprayer. How you doing there, Stephen? Good, good. Yourself? 
I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's not spray season yet, I know, but we're talking about spray coverage because I think as as guys are going through their equipment and getting everything set up right, making sure uh, everything's working perfectly, this is one of the considerations of how do I get the best spray coverage I can. What are some of the things that you like to coach guys to do? Yeah, so right now when we're when we're doing our grower clinics or custom applicator clinics, Really, we're coaching guys on looking at their spray tips, whether you got three, four, or five on a on a uh, roundabout nozzle body, making sure that we're looking at the uh, coverage and then also the rate that are coming out of those out of those tips. So just really, really promoting guys, go out, get a calibration tool, whether it's a spot on or any other type of system, and looking at the actual flow out of that nozzle and you know, really what we say is if you're if you're 10% off nozzle to nozzle or 10% off that recommendation from the nozzle manufacturer, making sure that we replace those nozzles. And then looking through our, our boom height systems, you know, that's, when we look at height control, that is huge. When we look at spray coverage, how that nozzle reacts, looking for, looking for uh, you know, pre-season things that might stand out, sensors bad or just calibrations, making sure that those height control systems on those sprayers are working correctly. Oh, that height control is such a big deal. And we think about all the drift issues that have been out there. If we could just get that boom a little bit closer to the crop. And uh, I, I just see too many guys that are running it four feet off the ground and they're spraying pre-emerge products. It doesn't make sense, Stephen. Yes, correct. Yep. We have, you know, the technology out there in boom height control systems is, is far superior to what we had, you know, five, six, seven years ago, and and having a system that can really, really hug the ground from center frame all the way out to those breakaways is, is so important. And doing those, doing those calibrations, you know, adding a height control system to a to a sprayer that might not have that uh, that new technology on it is is so important when we look at spray drift. What are some of the newer features on on John Deere's latest models? What what's happening there? Yeah, so the big thing there is they they added an inertial measurement unit, or, or basically just a, in in layman's terms, a, a tilt sensor, so that we can look at roll of a chassis. So as we come into a washout or dip, we actually utilize that piece of information so that as that sprayer goes through, we can use not only that height sensor but also that roll sensor to control that boom a little bit better and maintain that that consistent height. Yeah, the ground or the crop. I, I know these spray booms just keep getting bigger and bigger, and I get it. I wish the spray boom could expand, so I only had to drive across the field one time. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, but as they get bigger, you're right. These kind of control systems and, and things like this tilt sensor uh, are going to be so important because you just don't want to have breakdowns or, or break a tip or anything like that. Yes. Yep. And what's nice is you can you can put it on an older machine. You can take the take the new technology and put it on a, you know, a machine that might be 2018 or, uh, you know, just a little bit older. So that's what's nice is you can take that new technology and put it on a sprayer you might have. Yeah, always new things coming out, and, and so many of these things have made it easier to do a great job with spray coverage and other things with the sprayer. Talking to Stephen Pranky here with CNB Equipment. Stephen, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. All right, thank you. You guys have a great day. You as well. All right, next we've got Nick Flights on with us. He's with Pentair. Hey, Nick, how are you today? 
I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. Thanks for being here. All right. So we've been talking about spray coverage. What I want to focus on next is water volume because a lot of people are saying, well, I have to run a ridiculous amount of water to get great coverage. How much do I really need? What's your opinion if, let's say, I'm out there spraying a product like Liberty or something where we know coverage is really important? Yeah, so water volume is going to be a big part of that. And I don't think we have to go quite as far as people say sometimes. I mean, extra water never hurts you. Yeah. Um, some data off-site from the, the University of Purdue that um, Bill Johnson and Travis Leglider had, had looked at in-crop uh, spraying coverage in, in the soybean crop canopy, and they looked at the effect of water volume on spray coverage. And, and what they found is increasing your water volume from 10 to 15 gallons per acre increased spray coverage by 67%. Wow. Um, so... Water volume is going to have probably the biggest impact on coverage, you know, increasing coverage, increasing your water volume. I don't always think you have to take giant leaps, though. You know, you think about that that number there, 67% increase in coverage. Maybe maybe you don't go to 15 gallons per acre. Maybe you try 12. And even if you get 25 or 30% increase in coverage, that could be a significant yes. um, impact on the, the efficacy of the spray. And I'm talking about Liberty specifically. I really like to see 15 gallons per acre. Um, 15, I think, is a good number, especially if you've got a good dose of AMS there in the tank. Um, I've seen some really good results with 15 gallons per acre. I don't like seeing much below 15 gallons per acre, and I know the manufacturer of Liberty doesn't either. So, you know, if it's a systemic herbicide, you know, something like glyphosate or ALS inhibitors, things like that, um, you know, I think 10 to 12 is reasonable, and you can do a good job spraying yeah. at that water volume. But for contact products, a little bit more always helps. Well, the thing is, if you're going to get good coverage on a weed, you have to be able to actually see the weed there. And the challenge sometimes is we want to wait and wait and wait. Now, granted, sometimes you get delayed just because of weather or whatever, but that's why I would usually encourage somebody, get out there a little earlier. If you're out there a week earlier you may very well have 67% better coverage just because the canopy isn't so dense and so tight and one weed isn't shaded out by the other weed. So that's something to think about too. Uh, just talk about droplet size with us for a minute, Nick, because that's been a big question here the last few years and we've, well, even the last couple of weeks with the whole dicamba thing. Oh, it's not labeled. No, it's going to be labeled again. You know, now you can just use it for this spring uh, on extend crops. So droplet size. I know that's been been a big topic. Where do you go there? Sure. And so this part of it, I think, is a little bit counterintuitive. And I think if we try too hard to get good coverage using things like higher pressures, finer droplets, mm -hmm. yep. too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. It can actually limit our coverage by going too far in that direction. And I like your comment about spraying later, the, the canopy uh, closing more in that, uh, and this plays into it as well. And so going a little bit coarser in your droplet size, Now, I'm not talking about necessarily going to like an extra coarse droplet size like we'd use with dicamba. I'm talking instead of using a medium, use a coarse droplet size. Instead of using a coarse, a very coarse, just a small increase is really going to help uh, get those droplets down into the canopy because when you've got a canopy, 
coarser droplets that have some mass to them actually can penetrate down into that canopy better than finer droplets that can kind of get suspended in the air. So if you think about trying to throw a paper wad, there's no mass or weight to it. You can't throw it very far, but you can throw a baseball really far. And we have a similar thing with spray droplets and, and the weight. If they don't have any weight, they lose all their speed, all their velocity. They get caught in the air and they don't get down into the crop canopy or down onto the weeds that we're trying to spray. So a little bit lower pressure, a little bit coarser droplet size can really pay dividends and help increase coverage regardless of the time of year we're spraying. But it really, really helps as you move later in the season where it gets warmer and it can get drier and we can see some droplet evaporation. Yep, a lot to think about there. Again, that's Nick Flights with Pentair. Nick, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you ready for better efficiency, more productivity, higher yields? Then you're ready for John Deere Precision Technology, which starts with three core pieces. First, a G5 display gives fast views of your work and a window to future technology. A Starfire receiver gives you sub-inch repeatable accuracy without an RTK base station. And a JD-Link modem gives you a live view of your entire operation. Get precise and talk with your John Deere dealer or visit johndeere.com backslash Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Maverick Corn Herbicide from Valent USA has proven to be a key part of growers' success in fighting problematic weeds. But don't take it from us, take it from farmer Rob Schaefer. Residuals have become a big part of our chemical programs with trying to battle water hemp and also mare's tail is our big one. It's done a real good job of controlling those. You don't have to you know, put a bunch of gallons in your sprayer, cover a lot of acres that way. Visit valent.com backslash maverick to learn more about Maverick Corn Herbicide. Always read and follow label instructions. What's the difference between John, who bought Enlist One Herbicide, an Instinct Next Gen Nitrogen Stabilizer, and Tom, who bought Enlist One and Instinct Next Gen and used True Choice? Only about $5,000 extra in Tom's pocket. Choose True Choice and get up to 10% back. It's really as simple as that. Start saving at Corteva.com slash save more. On your farm, you spend thousands on fertilizer every season. But how do you know if any nutrient you apply is paying for itself? Build a fertility plan like never before with Verify. With Verify's soil point to yield analysis, you can automatically see the connection between your soil test and yield data to see which fertilizer dollars will make you money and which won't. Go to Verify.com to get started today. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. 
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio. Today we've been talking about spray coverage. If you've got any questions about that or anything going on in your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. But right now we're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag. Darren, what you got next for us? All right, uh, get this one in from DP who said, uh, thanks for answering a previous question I had about controlling mare's tail uh, in my untilled backyard. Uh, kind of curious about this. Uh, if I do do some tillage, uh, do I have to remove the dead weed carcasses or can I just no. let them convert to compost in my soil? Yes. Yeah, normally that's what we would say. I mean, if you've sprayed them and killed them with Roundup, for example, then I'm not worried about anything re-sprouting from what was left. Most weeds aren't going to re-sprout from little bits and pieces once they've been tilled up and they dry out. Uh, so, I mean, ideally with tillage, you'd flip them upside down. The weed would lay there in the sun. It would kind of burn up, dry out, and then absolutely there's no problem. It's the kind of half-tilled ones. And you made a comment that you might have to till a second time. And, and I'd say that's realistic that, yep, you may end up having to till one more time if you caught a rain right after tillage and something caught hold again. But, but yeah, I agree with Brian for the most part. Uh, you just let them lay there and let them break down and return the nutrients to the soil. All right, got this one from Evo who said, uh, all right, guys, when I get soil test results back, is there a simple way to calculate fertilizer rates or what would you recommend? You know what I'd say, Evo, is is I'd go back and look at our Ag PhD videos that you can find online about each nutrient. We just go right through how to read a soil test. Here's what you read from this one. Many of those are in parts per million. We talk about how to convert that into pounds per acre. Uh, oftentimes on a six-inch soil sample, you just multiply them times two because there's two million pounds of soil represented in a six-inch soil sample. And now you know how many pounds you have. Then you can look at the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app. It's a free download. And you can type in whatever crop you're growing in your yield goal to see how many pounds of each nutrient you need. And then you can figure from there. So if you need 100 pounds and you already have 70, you know you have to put on at least another 30. But a lot of times what growers will do is just look at, okay, if my crop removes 100 pounds, even though I already have 70, I'm going to put on 100 pounds so that at the end of the year, I still have 70. I don't want to go backwards. And that's what I would recommend. I'd put on at least what the crop's going to remove. And then if you see something that's just super, super low, if you want to add a little bit more and build your soil over time, you can. But again, just go back and watch our online videos that'll give you uh, a lot more detail about what we're looking for there. Thanks for checking out the show, though. We really appreciate that. All right. Uh, this one comes from David. He said, all right, guys, uh, let's start with the garden here and focus on that. I've got a large vegetable garden. Each year I have a problem with lamb's quarters. If I could just get rid of the lamb's quarters, that would really help me. So uh, a few questions for you here and then looking for your suggestions as well. Um, it seems like even if I mechanically till between the rows, more lamb's quarters come up later. Is it just that yep. there's that many seeds there, yep. or is there some sort of root system that's spreading it? No. Seeds. 
Okay. Yep. There's just going to be seeds there. And here's the other thing. There's seeds and there's lack of crop canopy. So there's sunlight that's hitting the ground and that's going to cause the next seeds to germinate. So for example, let's just say you tilled up between the rows and you laid down black tarp paper. You aren't going to have anything coming up because it's going to get no sunlight through that tarp paper. So that's something that you can do. Some people use mulch or those types of things um, to, to fill in in between the rows. That's fine. Or they just move their rows a little bit closer so they don't have those great big gaps and hopefully they can can shade things out that way. So that's just a couple of ideas. Uh, but he said, in the meantime, what can I spray in between the rows to control that? I'm hoping you can point me in a direction of something that will still allow me to plant broadleaf vegetables like green beans, potatoes, tomatoes. Okay, a couple things here. If you can directionally spray, you could use Roundup. There's no soil residual. It's not going to kill crops down the road, uh, but it will kill whatever you spray it on. So it will kill the lamb squarters. The other thing a lot of folks will do in gardens is they'll use one of a couple different products. Uh, one active ingredient would be metallochlor, and that's safe for a lot of things like sweet corn. And then there's also a product called preen, which the active ingredients trifluralin, and that's safe for a lot of the... Um, a lot of the vegetable type crops, but you can look at the labels on those things. I'd start with preen, just see what the label says as to what crops it's safe around. And you could probably use it around much of your garden. Yep. And, um, yeah, good luck, good luck on the lamb squirters. But just kind of keep in mind, if sunlight is hitting the soil, there are seeds in the soil that will germinate. So, um, that's, if you can shade that out somehow, that's going to help you. Uh, okay, EK sent one in and said, you guys were talking about drainage tile. I'm curious, what size pipes do you normally use on your farm and what tools do you use to decide on what size pipes to put in? Okay, so as far as sizes, we use four inch for our laterals. Now, I know there are some people that will use three inch lines for laterals. What our dad always told us is he's like, guys, if you can afford to upsize your tile lines, you always want to upsize your tile lines because eventually they're going to fill in. So the bigger the line, the more you, the longer they're going to last basically. Plus, if you have bigger lines, then if you do have some year that's really abnormal, like when we were in 2018 and 2019 and we had twice normal rainfall, it was nice to have some upsized lines. Okay. So four inches are laterals. A lot of our main lines are only six or eight inch lines because we can put those in ourselves. We could actually put in a 10 inch line to be a little bit of a stretch, but we could go clear up to 10 if we wanted to. So we do have an app that can help you out on this. And I, I, I guess that's what I would say is you need to use the app because then you can run the calculations. There are also some slide rules available out there from different tiling companies, but we have the Ag PhD drainage tile calculator. So free download for you, and then you can look at acres drained, pipe diameter, pipe amount, slope, pump size, if you needed to pump the water out, all those things. So this calculator is super handy. That's what we use. Oh, but again, what I would say is if it says, all right, you need a six-inch line, just exactly like our dad said, hey, if you can afford this, it's not a bad idea to upsize your lines all the time just because they last longer. And then if you do have that situation where you go, this is a super unusual year, you're set for that. Now, I will tell you, we haven't always taken our dad's advice on that, but that's what he recommended. 
All right. Uh, get this one in from Bruce, who says, I'm out in the Palouse, and I'm raising winter wheat. I'm curious, what are your thoughts about banding urea with the drill in the fall if I use a stabilizer like Instinct? I don't like urea in the fall, number one. It's going to turn to nitrate too quickly or be nitrate too quickly. Even with a stabilizer, it's just not going to last super long. But when you're raising a fall crop, it is a little bit different. So we're typically talking about corn, soybeans, spring wheat, and all these other spring crops. But if it's winter wheat, well, you're going to need some nitrogen there in the fall. Now, you don't need a crazy amount, but you're going to need some, and you're going to have plants growing. So I don't have nearly as big an issue with it in your case, but why are we banding? I I, I mean, Darren, do you know? I, I mean, why, why would we want to band? He's just wondering if What's, he can put it out with the drill. Oh, I got you. Okay. Can you? Sure. But keep in mind, you got salt content to deal with there. So if we can keep it away from the seed, the more we can keep it away from the seed, the better off we are. Yeah, there's a lot of differing thoughts about putting nitrogen out in high rates at planting time on wheat as well. You're going to encourage more vegetative growth, but yep. uh, there are there's also the thought of, well, just give just enough nitrogen to get started. Wait to really put on more nitrogen until after tillering is about done. That way your tillers will all mature at about the same time. So there's a couple different schools of thought there as to, to how to do the nitrogen. I'm assuming you've kind of figured out, hey, I really like it put out early because I know you're not in a high rainfall area. And I know for but, a lot of guys, they kind of like it that way. So they get time to get moisture and get it in the ground. Yeah, but what we would do is we would put some out in the fall. We'd still put the majority out in the spring. So, yeah, if it's a low rate, that's a different story than if it's a whole bunch. Hey, thanks for the question, Bruce. Yeah, that is a big debate on exactly how to do nitrogen in winter wheat. If you've got a question for us, you can always email us, radio at agphd.com, or give us a phone call during our show, 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. What's the difference between John, who bought Enlist One herbicide and Instinct Next Gen nitrogen stabilizer, and Tom, who bought Enlist One and Instinct Next Gen and used True Choice? Only about $5,000 extra in Tom's pocket. Choose True Choice and get up to 10% back. It's really as simple as that. Start saving at Corteva.com slash save more. Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. 
And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. For the smallest investment with the biggest impact on yield, upgrade your planter with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. To see how we stack up against the competition at a fraction of the cost, call us at 712-520-6051. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio, and we're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag. If you've got a question for us, just email us, radio at agphd.com. All right, next question. What do we think about foliar boron, uh, specifically liquid products? We have no issue with it. It's just you're going to reach a limit where you can only get so much on, and it's only going to stay in the plant so long. So whenever we start talking about foliar stuff, we love it. We really do. Almost all foliars, if I could do foliar constantly, that'd be great. The problem is you, you either have to have irrigation or you have to run your sprayer over the field a whole bunch of times. So with boron, what we've gone to, because we have heavy soil and not a lot of rain, is we just put down a whole bunch of dry, build the soil up, and then it stays there pretty well for several years. That way, we're not spending a ton of money in doing it. We don't have to make lots of trips over the field, and our plants have boron in them for much more of the season. Now, as I say that, do we still use some foliar products that have a little bit of boron? Yeah, we do, just really low rates. But we like boron. Uh, we have to have high levels for great crops. It's just if you're going to do it all foliar, you're going to have a tough time unless you're going to make a bunch of applications in our experience. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, I got this in from Joe. He said, guys, I'm sending you some grid soil tests. Uh, just curious if anything jumps out at you. I did watch your soils clinic, your corn and soybean seminars this year. And based on that, uh, my first glance is it seems like all my micros are pretty low. Um, and also I'm going to have to keep working on building up my K, but just curious, what other things do you guys see? Well, Let's see. Do we know what kind of tests were run? I'm guessing DTPA on the micros. So let's just assume it's DTPA. Uh, yeah, I, it, it's got to be DTPA. It's some Midwest Lab stuff. I don't see where it says on here they ran DTPA, but that's what I'm assuming. The reason why I'm bringing this up is the DTPA test, for one, in our opinion, is not accurate at all in manganese, so I'm going to throw that out. Two, with a DTPA test, the, the numbers are going to be a little lower 
than they would be on a Malik 3 test. For zinc, iron, copper, that's typically what we're talking. So, and boron. Uh, well, the boron one probably isn't all that much different. And yeah, we, I mean, I, I'm with you though. You're still low, whether it's DTPA or Malik 3. We like the P1 phosphorus, which you ran, to be roughly 10 times what your zinc level is. Or put it another way, the zinc, one-tenth of the P1 phosphorus. Well, when you've got P1 phosphorus levels of, let's call it 50 to 100, and most of your zinc levels are down at 3, then, yeah, you need a little bit more zinc. You need a little bit more copper. That's uh, at 2 or a little bit under, but it's not bad. That The copper is not bad. The boron, we were just talking about boron a minute ago, 0.3, 0.4 parts per million. That's pretty low. So... Yeah, you're going to need to address micros a little bit. Beyond that, I, I guess I'll, I'll say this. Most of the soil pHs, I mean, the highest I see here, just at a quick glance, is 7.5, a lot in the 6s. So 6s is good. Even low 7s isn't bad. I'm not that worried about it. But we always have to look at what's out of balance. And the biggest thing I see is when I look at base saturation, yep, your potassium level it's on the low side. I mean, you got a lot that's 3% and under. You also have a lot of calcium that's real high. I mean, like 90%. And I question that just a little bit. Do we have some excess lime out there? That test was not run. So on this test that, that he sent us here, way over to the right side, there's a column that says excess lime rate, and there's no data in there. That's something we need. We also are always looking for the very next column is soluble salts. So here's the thing. It looks like a pretty complete test was run, but it was just a hair short. We need sodium. We need excess lime. We need soluble salts. And then that will give us some more answers. We also like seeing the nitrogen levels, the nitrate level. So I, I don't know exactly what you saved doing these tests versus the complete tests, but it wasn't much. So I just encourage you the next time, get the complete test so we have the rest of our answers. But anyway, uh, um, you, 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 we don't see this often, but some of the magnesium is pretty low here. So that's one of the things that you could consider as well in, in just a few spots where you're down to, let's call it 7%, 8% magnesium. There you could use a product like KMAG, for example, and get yourself a little bit of potassium and some magnesium, and then that will start to get the soil a little more in balance. That's really where we see more of the high pH areas. So you get things in balance, and eventually we think that pH is going to normalize. All right. Thanks for the questions. Appreciate that. Uh, okay. Got two questions here from Ryan. He said, first of all, have you heard of a generic glufosinate called Surmise 5 that has twice the concentration of glufosinate? I'm a little nervous yes. about it just because uh, I haven't seen anything quite that concentrated before with glufosinate, but it would be nice to handle less product. I agree with everything that he said there, and we haven't seen it either on our farm we have not used that product do i am i super concerned about it no because look at how many other products over the years somebody has made a more concentrated formula bsf is going to have something that is more concentrated upl is going to have something more concentrated but this is the most concentrated one. It is. And I'd say this. How do they do that? One way that they can do that is by taking out some of the surfactants. They've obviously got to change some of the things that are in that product. So I would definitely read the label, talk to your suppliers about, okay, 
uh, regular Liberty, they just recommend putting ammonium sulfate in. Is there anything different with the Surmise 5? Do they need a surfactant or anything like that in with it? Uh, I would that, seriously doubt that. I doubt it too, but it's just one of those things that maybe they change something up. Just always yes, good to ask those change. questions. I wouldn't necessarily say they take things out, but definitely have to change things. So a lot of times when we're talking about some of the ag chemicals, like just take glyphosate, for example. Everybody's familiar with glyphosate. We just think, oh, you're going out spraying glyphosate. No, you're spraying a little bit of glyphosate and a lot of other stuff. Water, emulsifiers, maybe even defomer. And I mean, just things that you don't really think about. So are those things in these more concentrated glufosinates going to change from the other ones to Darren's point? Absolutely. So we don't know exactly how this is going to look and how everything's going to turn out. I feel pretty confident. Would I be willing to try this on quite a few acres? Sure I would. All right. His other question is um, in regards to spraying soybeans. He said, we do put no-till soybeans right into last year's corn stalks. So typically what we've done is we've planted and then sprayed. But I like the idea of spraying before I plant. Yep. My question is, with all that residue out there, I'm concerned that the herbicide will be on the residue, and then the row cleaners will just move it off to the side, unless, of course, we get a good rain between spraying and planting. Am I overthinking this, or should I be concerned? I am in southwest Minnesota, so similar weather and rainfall to what you guys get. Yeah, so we've done it either way, and typically it works just fine. Unless you're moving a bunch of dirt, I'm really not that concerned. However, yeah, especially, especially have, with Roundup Ready, Liberty yeah. Link, those kinds of things, you've got herbicides that'll clean up anything in between. Yeah, you have great rescue options. Now, I'm not going to say we haven't ever seen it where somebody moved too much dirt and then right in the row is the only spot where we have weeds. Sure, that happens occasionally, but that's pretty rare. So I don't think I'd get that worried about it. If you're very concerned, just try some of your acres then that way. But the big advantage is basically the job is done. What scares me to death is when we plant and then we're going to spray and I see rain in the forecast and I'm going, oh no. If we get too much rain and we can't get big, can't get back in there, those beans are going to pop up and we can't get our prion. Now we are in trouble because we've lost some of the best modes of action, the best products to kill the weeds we're after. So yeah, I, I'm a big believer in, hey, we'd like to get it on in advance. If you can't, you can't, but uh, I, I think you're going to be just fine as long as you're not moving tons of dirt. All right. Thanks for the questions. Um, okay. I uh, got this one in from Reese. I uh, got a new weed in our South Texas farm. Can you guys identify this? Well, there's a couple weeds that look fairly similar. Uh, either summer or winter savory, which is an herb, uh, and in the mint family. So if it smells kind of peppery or maybe even minty, that might be it. The other one that kind of looks like is wild petunia to me. Either way, uh, you should be able to clean those up with Freelex uh, for the most part. If they're perennials, though, dig up that root system. If they've got rhizomes, uh, then it's probably going to take Roundup. So that would be my two choices. If it's an annual, I would try Freelex, depending on where you're at uh, and what crop you're in. But I don't have any other details. Just had a question about identification. So those would be the ones that I would look into, either summer or winter savory or wild petunia. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.